Welcome to episode 133 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and our producer, Johnny Pham. And guys, I've got to say, I really hope uh, my internet or computer or whatever was just, like, whatever was going on there makes it through this podcast. What Was the intro messing up for you guys, or was that just on my end? No. It like literally paused for a second and then started playing again three times on my end. And I was, I thought I was about ready to get kicked out or something. Sorry, buddy. You got to figure it out now. Uh, I mean, I think that means, I think that means you'd have to figure it out. No, I believe uh, like our good friend in Overwatch once told us, (laughs) hardwire your shit. (laughs) Or kill your, no, and or. It no, was either, and then kill yourself. Yeah, it, it was both. We had to do both. We had to hardwire and then kill ourselves. Mine is hardwired, so I um, don't know what the issue is there. Just like I don't. You need a better Ethernet cable, then. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. So I did have an issue the other day where I've never had this happen before. We all have the same PC, so um, where it was just not reading my Ethernet cable. I had to like. Mm update a driver and it, it I, I i never had that happen before uh i did since we're talking about our pcs i did have to replace the thing that took my wi-fi in and my ethernet port at one point so you might need to do that sometime soon well my uh i like i updated the driver and it was fine um i also i don't think this compute i think our pcs before you had to like put those weird things on the back to be able to get wi-fi now with my new motherboard, because remember my motherboard fried uh, oh, yeah, last year, yeah. I actually can get Wi-Fi on this on this PC now. So it's like it's like half new. It's like the idea that you can get Wi-Fi, it's not that like luxurious. Like you just feel like it's great that I can get Wi-Fi, but ninety nine percent of the people just aren't gonna do Wi-Fi. Yeah, I mean when I watch other podcasts where they're doing it on Wi-Fi, they definitely lag out on stream yard all the time and we don't have that issue except for dalton so that that's good two out of three of us are are pretty good there unfortunately it was a much lower percentage of the games that were good last weekend one of the six actually came down to the last possession and was i mean you know different games were interesting at different points but there was only one which was rams lions that really came down to the end what I did say, though, and I think turned out to be true already for literally all of us, yes, literally all of us, is I could see us having more losses through one week than we did all of last year. And we ha- we do, especially, straight up at least, uh, against the spreads a little different so far. Uh, but straight up, we are all 3-3 three and three on our picks against the spread. I'm 5-1, and one, Johnny 4-2, and two, Dalton 3-3. Three and three. Consistency is key. <laughs> three and three, three. I'll just weeks. say it now, though. Oh, go ahead. If Bills fans, first of all, you got the caveat to move if AJ Brown didn't play. I didn't know there was any inclination that the Bills were going to move their game because they're sissies. And then, well, but I did, but I didn't move. That's the only against the spread game I lost was oh, I was just I, I I stuck with the Eagles. The other painful thing is I'm just saying maybe some snowballs weren't thrown at wide receivers for the Steelers and they scored touchdown and they covered. That I I was literally thinking that as I was driving home from work, if a Bills fan throws a snowball at a Chiefs receiver while he's trying to catch a pass, because like they can't even hardly catch passes anyway without the distraction. Like yeah, you, no. ima- you you imagine throwing a snowball at McCole Harbin, what he's gonna be looking at in the sky trying to track a ball. Like come on now. I I will lose my mind if, if He'll that catch happens. The snowball. <laughs> no doubt. He'll start tracking the snowball in the air instead of the football. <laughs> It'll be the best track of his career, too. <laughs> All right. So we previewed the wild card round last weekend. We will preview the divisional round, do straight up picks against the spread as well. Johnny, I'll give you a chance at a, I won't say a mulligan Super Bowl, but repicking a new Super Bowl since both of your Super Bowl teams. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. You went with the long shot Super Bowl. Dalton and I went shock. However, Dalton and I's teams are both still alive. They didn't play last week. And Yours are not. I'll give you a chance to repick if you'd like when we get to that. But first, Dalton, we do have a handful of fantasy football takeaways. Uh, mine are kind of a mix of dynasty redraft. It's kind of both at this point. I think um, after Super Wildcard Weekend, just, just a couple takeaways. Uh, 
I'll let you start off with the first thing you want to talk about, fantasy football related. related. Yeah, I think, uh, the first one I want to talk about was how we are going to parse out this Green Bay receiver room next year. Uh, the snap counts for wide receiver, Christian Watson had eight, Jaden Reed had 12, Dontavian Wicks had 14. Uh, on 22, Jordan Love dropbacks. Tucker Craft played the most of any pass catcher uh, among those dropbacks, other than Aaron Jones, obviously. And I, it's going to be incredibly difficult going into the offseason and projecting into the future who's going to be the guy in that room because it looks clear that they're all going to be fantasy uh, assets, including Romeo Dubs, who played the second most snaps at 18 of Jordan Love's 22 total dropbacks. Uh, and, and he was the guy who was seemingly forgotten about like three times in the middle of the zone of, of that game. It was hilarious. Yeah, all pro Deron Bland maybe isn't an all pro, but yeah, we'll maybe Legarius Need should be uh, an all pro yeah. instead. Uh, but it's difficult. I think Christian Watson might be the odd man out, and that's probably a crazy take. 12 months ago. Well, so what I will say, so what, one of my takeaways was Jordan Love as a stud. Um, can get into that a little bit more. But what I will say is it seems like what happened in that game was the Packers went heavy personnel. The Cowboys trot out their nickel and dime defense consistently and refused to adjust and never stopped the run. So the Packers just kept running out there in that same personnel, which was – the reason I've seen on Twitter by a lot of people as to why Jaden Reed didn't play more and produce more, which makes sense because that was, you know, when he was off the field this year, it was those types of, of situations. I, I think how I would parse out this room now is, is just, I think I'm just going to fall back on who I think is like literally just player ranks best to worst player in this room. And that's kind of how, you have to go off it because I do agree with you. It's going to be different guys are going to have their weeks. It's going to be hard to predict. So I think you just have to kind of just, you know, rank the guys as players and write it out that way. And like for me personally, that's, you know, Jaden Reed one wicks two, Christian Watson three, that might be a, a hot take on fantasy Twitter, but I, I think you would probably agree. And then dubs uh, is fourth just of player ranks in that group. I might put Dubs three. I mean, he he definitely will. He has the profile of a much more consistent player than, than yes. Christian Watson. It's just Watson is go. He's going to have big weeks next year. He, yeah. he will too. And you know, with Jordan Love, we talked about it last week uh, a little bit, and we'll talk about it again with this offense later on, probably their splits the first half and second half of the season. But basically Jordan Love has been playing at an MVP level for like two months now, which is shocking. Um, I don't think you'd necessarily take that and say, oh, this guy's a top five fantasy quarterback next year. I don't think. But like, I won't – if somebody has him as QB5 in the next year, I'll disagree, but I won't think that's crazy. And I think he's elevated himself into top – 10 to 15 real life quarterback at, at this point. Like he, he's been very, very, very impressive. Yeah. And it's been talked about a lot, so I won't like stay on it, but they do have the youngest wide receiver room. So you expect that yeah. to improve tight end room is really young. They're the 30, they're the, the youngest offense in the NFL and the 31st youngest uh, defense in the NFL. They're a young team all together. Uh, the things that I have a hang up on on Jordan love is one, this is the first year I think that LaFleur has gotten to use his offense. It's pretty well talked about that Aaron Rodgers played out of system uh, mm -hmm. under the LaFleur offense. So you get a year in any system and defenses start to figure it out a little better. Uh, and this offense definitely took a turnaround around the bye week and got even better. So there's definitely going to be some learning bumps and curves. Uh, not that Jordan Love can't deal with those. Uh, and then the, the other uh, growing concern I would have and the other thing I want to talk about with this team is – Aaron Jones is pretty important. AJ yeah. Dillon's a free agent. Uh, the running back room is going to need another guy. But I mean, with what Aaron Jones did to Dallas and how Aaron he did, Jones still looks really, really, yeah. really good, man. I mean, is he like a top fifteen guy for you next year? Can you can you justify that? Yeah, it, it's funny because you know he had such a I don't want to say terrible year this year. He was injured for so, but much he it. was just like. It was just injury after injury. See, he just couldn't get healthy. 
and he was like he had to have been questionable for what felt like 10 weeks of the season this year and it was like he left a bad taste in your mouth if he was on your fantasy team this he year did. but like he still looks really good he he actually might be a year older than Eckler it's either a year older or the same age I don't have Eckler's age in front of me but of those two and I know Eckler was banged up and that may have contributed to how he looked this year too but I've always thought Aaron Jones was better, even if the fantasy numbers weren't better. And I I still think Aaron Jones at this point looks like the better player. looks like he has more left in the tank. And I mean, he's just turned 29. Like he's going to be 30 this year. And it's kind of like we have a lot of these guys, the, the Joe Mixon's, you know, you can throw Eckler in that James Connor. You have a lot of these guys who are getting up to that 28 to 30 range who are going to still be fantasy relevant next season but also it it is scary to believe in in that position at that age because you can definitely get burned in drafts drafting somebody who they look good last time you saw them but week one comes and it's like oh this guy doesn't look the same anymore whoever the packers bring in or draft is probably going to be a pretty popular late round target this offseason uh if they bring aj dylan back that's disgusting but they they will bring someone into that room, and I expect them to probably draft a new running back. I think my favorite fit that I've looked through so far is Donovan Edwards. I think he has a similar Aaron Jones profile uh, and is explosive and exciting. It would be a good compliment to him and would be a stud if he ended up in that Packers offense. Yeah, so that transitions pretty well into my next one here, which is the Rams need to add a running back. Or, you know, maybe Zach Evans happens next year. Maybe that, that probably a long shot, but they either basically they either need Zach Evans to, to happen or to add a running back because it's it's one thing in the regular season, but it's just jarring in a big game when Kyron Williams gets hurt and you know bless his heart, you're running Ronnie Rivers out there and asking him to to do stuff in the most important game of your season, and especially with the Rams, we talk about it. We talked about it last week, and we've talked about it. Obviously, everyone talks about it with them, how important the running game is their offense. You know, the running game really, like the passing game is built around what they can do in the running game with the play action stuff, you know, all the outsides. The running game is important for everybody, but especially so with how the Rams have have built that offense since McVay is there. So I'll be curious whether it's a, a guy they draft, maybe Zach Evans gets hype and that's who it is next year, or maybe they sign somebody to come in and back up Kyron. I'm not saying they're going to bring in someone to start ahead of him, but I'll be curious. Like, I think there's a pretty good chance they add somebody or they should add somebody to this backfield that will make Kyron's value be lower than it is right now if you look at people's rankings going into the next season. Yeah, no disrespect to Kyron, but like you said, uh, Ronnie Rivers, uh, this is from Benjamin Albright, he on five blitz attempts, uh, he let four pressures up when he was. <laughs> I mean, he simply was not that guy, uh, for the Rams as soon as Kyron Williams went out, and he was definitely needed to be. And th- this running back draft class isn't exactly full of studs, but there are certainly guys who can get the job done better than Ronnie Rivers, who's an yeah. undrafted free agent. It's also this offseason is a ton of interesting candidates who could end up being. Uh, running back free agents off their teams. Obviously, there are big names like Saquon Barkley, but there are guys like J.K. Dobbins coming off his injury. Even Eckler is going to be a free agent. I mean, you throw man. All- if 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 they sign J.K. Dobbins, that would be so interesting. <laughs> they, they, they looked at Cam Akers' two Achilles injuries and said, "We like that. We'll take someone else with two Achilles injuries." <laughs> no, just one. Just oh, one. Sorry, just one. The it's- other one was an ACL. Let's yeah, get it. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, they just took the new off-injured back who for three weeks for fantasy lives will get 30 carries and blow up. But yeah, I, I do think they need to bring somebody in, and I'll be curious to see how that affects Kyron's value, whether he – I could see it going one of two ways. Either he doesn't drop enough, and I don't like drafting Kyron Williams next year, or he drops too much, and he turns into a guy I really like drafting next year. I, I think that is probably the two more likely outcomes as opposed to him kind of staying – where he's at. So that'll be interesting. Dalton, your next thing that you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, this one I thought is really interesting because he already looks like an absolute star in the NFL, especially off of his performance against Miami Dolphins. Um, but I think 
I'm going to be spending a lot of this offseason trying to see whether or not Rasheed Rice's route tree develops. Yeah, I mean, I, I had Rasheed Rice down too, and I knew yeah. you would, which, which is obviously, you know, fine. He goes for eight for 130 and a touchdown in a playoff game. Could have, maybe should have had a second touchdown uh, after seeing replays of Juwan Taylor getting pushed into a block at the back. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he was a monster. But 108 of his 130 yards came on screens or slants. Uh, and that has kind of been the MO with him with the Chiefs this year. But it was more it, it was more like deep crosser stuff yeah. than than it has been most of the season, I think. But I want to see him get expanded. I mean, running some curls would be nice, seeing him run a couple of go routes. He ran one during the season that ended up being very successful, I think, in week seventeen. Well, and he didn't just run a go route. I mean, did did you did you ever hear the explanation behind that play? No. Basically, he and Mahomes noticed the same thing pre-snap, and he changed his route on that play to run a go route because they both knew it was going to be there. God, that's super exciting. Um, <laughs> but just looking at the narrative on Twitter right now, which is Travis Kelsey has dropped off and has declined, which I don't think is necessarily true in either of those, um, I expect Rasheed Rice to be like peaking around the fourth round, third round turn. I mean, what, um, what, what I wrote is basically no matter what the Chiefs do at receiver, I'm penciling into Shee Rice at like wide receiver 15 for next yeah, year. Yeah. Um, and I think if he starts getting like expanded route tree talk, like Darius Tony got this off season, <laughs> um, it could go even higher. Um, but Well, I think we've, we've seen, obviously we we've known this for a while, but it was another reinforcement this year of how difficult this offense is to learn. And I, you know, I was listening to the Kelsey's podcast today and they were talking about uh, Rashi a little bit. Cause Jason was talking about how he's just seeming to get better and better as the year has gone on. And Travis talked about, you know, his rookie year, it's like, you know, everything is moving so fast and you're trying to both build your confidence up and just find your way in the offense so like it makes sense, especially in Andy Reid's offense, to not want to throw too much. It, as as frustrating as it is, especially with the receiver room they've had and what they've needed from him all season, it makes sense not to throw too much too soon at him. So would it surprise me if he comes out with a more diverse route tree next year and doing more downfield stuff? Because I mean, people kind of forget he was a vertical guy in college. Like that that was his game. Yeah, he's actually doing the stuff that people didn't think he could do in the NFL in the NFL right now. Yeah, so there's really no way to predict that other than, you know, you fall back on the college tape a little bit and you have to kind of go back to 2021 or 2022, I guess, for for that because he was injured his last year in college. So it was it was a lot different. But so that's why I think he kind of pencils in at wide receiver 15, because if he does get that full route tree and is the actualized version of Rasheed Rice, he'll be ranked higher than that. But also, yeah. like, there's a scenario where he could be in the 18 to 24 range if things look pretty similar to this year, plus they add a guy. So I think just wide receiver 15 feels all about that area right now for Rasheed Rice. Yeah, I would say so as well. Uh, and, and what's encouraging, too, two things is, you know, number one, they should have replay during the game from like the all 22 kind of angle where you see on a third down where he adjusts against zone coverage and moves into a window. So Mahomes can throw into which number one, it's always nice to be quarterback friendly like that. It's going to get you playing time. Obviously playing time is not an issue for him anymore. And, and then number two, that is just not a given for receivers. It sounds simple, but that's not a given that guys can do that, especially young receivers. So that's, well, that's been the see. problem with just about every other receiver. Yeah. With just about every chief receiver. And that's been the thing that they've been missing with without Juju Smith-Schuster the most. It's just yeah. the guy that Mahomes it knows where he's going to be, and that's what Rashid yeah. is kind of turning into. And then after the after the Eagles game this year, you know, before that, it was almost exclusively in the slot. You can kind of look back from that game on. It's been 50-50 outside, inside, as far as where he's been lined up, which has been good to see. And you can see him, you, you know, slowly starting to do more in the offense and yeah like they're running stuff in the playoffs now where you know they're running kind of mid to deep overs and they're running McCole Hardman on a clear out so it's like yeah that's a layup 20 yards and then he has room to run so like there's just things that they're doing that they haven't really done all season and it's exciting and it's fun to think about what he could be in this offense next year 
Yeah. By the way, the Bills have injuries at cornerback and middle linebacker, just like the Dolphins. So yeah. I expect a very similar Rasheed Rice gameplay coming into Buffalo this week. Yeah. So my my I guess fourth one at this point is the Eagles and just their need to regroup after what was a disaster of a fall. You know, I don't, as well. I, I don't feel bad about sticking with the Eagles pick because I kind of just had the feel that, number one, this felt like one of those games where I'm going to be on the wrong side no matter what I do. It, it's just like it, it was so hard. It was so hard to give up on the Eagles because just on, on paper and based on what they had done for half of this season and all of last year, it's like th- this team should beat Tampa by 10 points. Uh, but then on the, it, it's like, if we knew, if I knew Baker was going to look as healthy as he did, I probably would have flipped <laughs> like that. That was my big hangup was Baker and his ribs and his ankle. And he also got his ankle stepped on earlier in that game. And he still looked awesome and they looked awesome, but on offense, it's like, this looked like, the end of the 2021-2022 season for the Eagles where they also lost at Tampa and their offense just looked bleh. And we had a lot of questions about Jalen Hurts. I don't think this is all at the feet of Jalen Hurts or anything like that. I think there's a lot of blame to go around here. But one thing we do know is they have no answer for the blitz. They haven't all season um, they were historically unproductive on screen passes. Johnny sent that tweet earlier today. What was it? Negative 26 yards on, on like 300 screen plays. Yeah. On screens. And they ran them a lot. And the thing that really sticks out about their offense to me is there's just no motion. Um, that's motion, not emotion motion. Um, they were post wildcard game at a 10.9% motion at the snap rate this season which was last in the nfl and a full 1.5 percent below the browns so like they just have no motion they create no layup throws they drop straight back and just they basically play madden football against the blitz which is just not a sustainable way to live especially like if aj brown misses any time which he just did their day obviously then that like they 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 ran the aj brown offense without AJ Brown of course that's not going to work and you do kind of wonder if that's a Sirianni thing because the Eagles were 27th in motion last year but the Colts this year were 11th maybe that Shane Steichen adjusting the personnel and doing things he felt he needed to do to scheme up the offense a little bit more or maybe that was Shane Steichen winning the war with Sirianni a little bit more than the offense coordinator did this season I don't really know and then of course you know Talking about Jalen Hurts, if Jason Kelsey is, in fact, not going to be back, you know, the tush push will still work because Hurts is awesome, but maybe a little bit less frequently next year. So just also something to keep in mind with him. Just a lot of questions, not a lot of easy answers for the Eagles right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just all around not good uh, because I don't want to say that their coaching staff doesn't have it. Um, but we've talked about this in the past. Shane Steichen has been – he was behind Justin Herbert's amazing season. He was behind uh, Jalen Hurts' amazing season. And then they lose him. And the first half of the season, everybody was wondering when their offense was going to get together. In the second half, they didn't get together. Like you said, they never were good against the Blitz, and they never did anything to get better against the Blitz. They ran one slat, slant the entire game to Devonta Smith, and he almost took it to the house. Yeah. And they never went to the play again. Uh and there's just not any ingenuity or creativity in this offense. They threw a screen pass to Julio Jones. Yeah. He's 34. Uh, he was a free agent half the season. It's going to be very important for me to rank any of these fantasy guys relatively high to see them bring in somebody who's a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, but, you know, at, at the same time, I I get that. But also, like, think back to – the arguments we have where you were right and I was wrong about AJ Brown after the 21, 22 season where, you know, it, it turns out like the offense, obviously we couldn't have predicted the offense to be that awesome, but I was too low on AJ Brown anyway, because I was too afraid of situation. Like I think, I think Jalen hurts is a better player now than he was in 21, 22. Um, I do still think he has his flaws, especially like he definitely doesn't see it over the middle like you'd hope. But 
I also think he's good enough and I have enough faith that they will figure it out to enough of an extent where like even this year, AJ Brown was still awesome for fantasy this year. So like I it's more the Devontae Smith group that you would be a little worried about, I guess. But well, and, even then, like Devontae Smith is, is awesome. Well, and my disgruntlement will be AJ Brown will not be a top 15 pick for me. Um, Devontae Smith will not be wide receiver 12. I, I mean, I had him on his bus already. Dallas Goddard won't be ranked super high. I don't think you can argue Jalen Hurts is a top four guy, especially if they lose Jason Kelsey, because I do think that significantly affects the tush push that he did. It have. does, but but also Jalen, you know, squats a million pounds, so he's he's one half of that equation too. Yes, it, if you have Vita Bay, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah. uh, although Jalen Hurts like literally could have died on that play because of the way that guy was grabbing yeah. his face mask. Um, but I, I I just don't think any of those guys are going to be like high high end at the top of their their groupings like AJ Brown wide receiver for six, I think is somewhere I'd put them. Devonte Smith. I'd probably have lower towards the twenties. Um, and then like a guy like Dallas Goddard would just be, I, it's always a dart throw at tight end. Uh, and then Jalen hurts. I, you know, I would probably have him under Mahomes, Lamar, Burrow, Allen. I'd, ha- I'd have him. F- I think I'd have him four. I'd have him ahead of Burrow below Allen. And then I would pro- I'll probably be making the off season argument why draft Jalen Hurts when you can draft Jalen Hurts with Anthony Richardson later, but we'll see. <laughs> All right, my last one. Um, oh God, actually my mouse is dead and I can't scroll. So you tell me your last one while I get this mouse plugged in. Yeah, um, this one is a pretty sad take, um, but I think that the only Dallas Cowboys worth drafting right now are going to be CD and Dak. And then Ferguson on the offshoot, but it depends on how his offseason goes. Uh, they, I mean, Tony Pollard is a free agent. I don't expect him back. I don't know if you do. I, I truthfully have no idea. I don't know what they did at that Green Bay game. I don't know what happened to them. Uh, they got outcoached by Joe Barry, which Panthers <laughs> didn't get outcoached by Joe Barry. So that says all you know about yeah. that job. And then, there's just nothing exciting about this offense. Michael Gallup had a game. We're not doing that offseason again where Michael no. Gallup is a guy. No. Brandon Cooks, I think, is is starting to hit his age cliff. Uh, yeah. He's just not as explosive as he used to be. I assume they're going to bring in a wide receiver in this draft. They very well could not. But I think that this offense is significantly less exciting going into the 2024 season than it was this offseason, and it's probably not going to be very productive outside of these two. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just tough to say because this offense was so good for half yeah. the season. Uh, but I don't know if not exciting would be the the way I would describe it. But I, I would say, yeah, that out of, you know, you, you draft Dak, CD, and then obviously Ferguson. Um, you keep an eye on the, the rookie tight end out there too, just in case. Spoonmaker. Uh, yep, yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know, man. Like if Pollard's back. I've been as I'm out. Fully out. I've been as out on Pollard as anybody, but like if he's back, I still think he probably gets drafted as like a top twenty-four, top twenty to twenty-four running back. Which I don't love it, but also like I can't can't throw too much shade on it because even with the the no touchdowns this year, which I mean, you can touchdowns are fluky, but also in his case specifically i think touchdowns are about what he was and was not seeing as a runner this year a lot of the time but he still finished in that top i don't remember what he finished exactly but it was a top he was top 24 back top 20 back i think even too so i think that's probably about where he'd go next year hopefully which would be fine now i don't know we'll see i'll I'll be very interested to see if what they do at running back It, it would be great if they brought in somebody i liked more than pollard yeah, no, running back. That would be ideal. I mean, if they draft a guy like Jonathan Brooks, that would be super exciting and probably skyrocket his value in Dynasty and in yeah. redraft. Um, but if they, although even, around, but I mean, even, I mean, you probably can't draft Brooks to, to, if you draft Brooks, you have to also sign somebody else because you're probably going in the week one with Rico Dattle as your starting running back in that case yeah. because Brooks tore his ACL in mid November. Sign uh, AJ Dillon, call it good. 
Sign J.K. Dobbins. He can get you through the first two weeks of the season, maybe. And then Jonathan Brooks comes back. And, and Dobbins goes to IR. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> all right. My last one. Or maybe I did. No, I think I gave all of mine, actually. Oh, no. my How could I forget? My last one is I just want to tell everybody to just get out of my face with the Devon Achan love <laughs> on, on Twitter. And... You know, we might do a show soon when we talk about early bust candidates for for next season. And I, I got to say, A-Chan is like, he is the guy right now that I'm looking at. And it's just like, there is no shot I am drafting him at where I'm seeing him ranked as a top eight, six to eight running back, uh, a second round pick. I've seen arguments to take him in the first round next season and i think the further we get away from games and we look at box scores and we see you know and his box score is ridiculous i i understand he rushes for 800 yards almost eight a carry most yard it was like 7.8 yards per carry which was the most by a running back since 1934 so like i understand i understand what this guy did from an efficiency standpoint this year but also this is not all on him but for the second year in a row, the Dolphins got figured out and they had no counterpunch. And a big part of that is their quarterback, I think. And I don't really see that changing next year, at least. And I also, like, I'd be pretty floored if their running back room was the same. They, they are going to add somebody else. Or, I don't, like, can you really run it back with this room again and – hope that you get a pretty good Mostert season combined with Devon H. Like, I I just don't know. After he came back from his injury, there were only two games where we had 70 yards or more, and three of his seven games were fewer than 10 rushes. He scored three touchdowns. Two of them were against the Commanders when they were just destroying them. Like, I'm still ta- – like, I take him in the late third, early fourth round, but – I. I just don't know if he can be a between the tackles guy, and I'm I'm just not taking that guy as my second round pick as maybe the RB one on my team. Not doing it. Well, it, it is very concerning. Six uh, carries for nine yards against the Chiefs. Yeah, well, Jeff Wilson was getting like major playing time in that game as well. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins were mixing in all three uh, running backs. Then you have the ongoing issue of that offensive line. Their anchor is Tron Armstead, who's off injured and turning 33 this year. And he was and, healthy this year. Yeah. Uh, and you're, you're betting on a lot of people remaining healthy. And like you said, the Dolphins offense two years in a row has spent half the season blowing it up. And in the second half of the season, uh, suddenly defenses get used to their Mickey Mouse game planning and they don't really adjust that hasn't seemed to be a strong suit of and Mike McDaniel. I, I don't think that's Mike McDaniel's fault. I, I really think it's because of Tua. I think it's Tua's fault. <laughs> no, and I do – this – I think this is the year Tua would get his extension upcoming. Um, yeah, and, 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 and I don't think that's happening. No, I, I, I think they've got to let him play it out and then see, see what they want to do next year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that there are obviously disparities with Tua and the game planning is taken aback from it. And, I mean, even the Tyreek Hill touchdown in the Chiefs game was an underthrown ball where Tyreek Hill broke two tackles to get into the yeah, end Yeah, like, like three guys in the NFL are making that play. Yeah, um, and you have a game breaker in Tyreek Hill and you don't want to waste it. It'd be interesting to see what the chatter is around Tua this offseason and whether or not they start to look to bring another guy into that room. Yeah, but it's just like you know what if unless you're trading to a they're they're still up against it salary cap wise because they went pretty all in this year. I, I don't really yeah. know what else they can do besides just running it back. But you know, Baker's a free agent. Injuries aside, like if they add a if they had Kirk Cousins instead of to a, they would be a better team next year. So like that just kind of kind of kind of tells you where where two is at. It's just like if you can if you just take away his first read and and make and make him have to play out that string a little bit on plays. It's just, it's really tough for him. And you can't, you can't give him better weapons than what he had this year. Like it's, you just can't give him better weapons than that. Like it's an ideal situation. No, and it is wild that Jalen Waddle has turned into a non-factor this season. And we know that the the talent is clearly there. You don't set the rookie reception record being a not good player. Um, And, 
And I, I just think this Dolphin offense is going to be looking for a lot of answers. I don't think Mostert's going to be it. You can't ask him to repeat this season. It's no. next to impossible, 32. And, I mean, I really don't think HAN is the answer. He's just a good, really good, like, second option with game-breaking speed that does well, not do a lot of the things you need him to do otherwise. Yeah, and it's like, can he be so electric on a per-touch basis that he is the RB16 in fantasy next year? Yes. Is that where he's being ranked right now? No. And that and that's the problem. And we'll see what that room looks like in four months and see what people are are doing rankings wise. But as Keep your eyes on Chris Brooks. <laughs> as things stand, I I am already out on on that next season. All right, let's get into the divisional round preview. We'll go in order. Uh, of games here, I believe. We'll start with Houston at Baltimore. And this has opened up at Ravens minus nine. Johnny, before I let you pick this game, I will first give you a chance at that Super Bowl pick if you want to make it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> both of my uh, picks, Browns versus Rams being eliminated while card weekend was uh, devastating, but <laughs> one uh, one future goes down, another one steps up. I have, uh, I have Chiefs plus 800 or 850. Um, so I'm going to go with Chiefs versus the 49ers and the Chiefs winning it all. Okay, and then how about this game? Houston at Baltimore, straight up and against the spread. Yep, uh, straight up. I think Baltimore wins. I think Houston is going to be able to cover. Dalton? Yeah, uh, I'm taking the same lines as Johnny. I Houston is going to provide some matchup problems for the Ravens secondary. Uh, the best thing the Ravens have done this season is limit explosive plays. I mm-hmm. think Houston's going to be able to get a few going there with the Nico Collins-CJ Stroud connection. And I also think that they their offensive line coach has done a great job at coordinating that offensive line to prevent sacks. Uh, we all saw the Miles Garrett stat line from this weekend. It was terrible. I think they're going to limit the ability for the Ravens to get home, which has been their bread and butter. They led the NFL in sacks. I still think the Ravens pulled out their better unit uh, on both sides of the ball, but I do think there are some electric plays from CJ Stroud down the stretch here. I'm pretty surprised this line is nine. Like me too. I, I think I'm with you guys, Ravens straight up Texans against the spread, but yeah, I just have a, a couple of talking points for this game, which first, and the reason why, honestly, one of the bigger reasons why I don't think the Texans will win this game. Cause I, I think they are full. Like if Stroud goes, like I I'm, I'm not, not that I was doubting Stroud last week. Cause I, I picked the, te- the Texans, but I'm just not going to doubt Stroud. Like that guy can go in and beat anybody on any given day. I, I think, but the issue and my ask for this team is please throw the ball more on early downs against the Browns. They had 34 early down plays, 19 runs, 15 passes. Their running plays, they had a 21% success rate. That was good for negative 0.16 EPA per play on their passing plays, which are 15 of those plays, again, less than the runs, a 60% success rate. And they create a first down on 53% of those plays. And it's not like that was just last week. That They're like bottom seven in, in pass, pass percentage on early downs. And in Indy, week 18, obviously another must-win game, they're a negative 0.18 EPA per play on early down runs compared to 0.62 on pass plays. So it's just like, please just let, let your quarterback throw the ball on the early downs and you may have a chance in this game. But... The other thing that I'm not saying I buy into this, but did you did you guys know that Lamar Jackson is the worst quarterback in playoff history per DVOA? Um, <laughs> the one thing I will say is all. Did of you know those... who's second worst? Who? Red Rifle baby Andy Dalton. Oh my god! I all of those starts did come with the previous offensive coordinator, and I do know. The, yes, and and what, and that's why I, I want to make it clear I'm yeah. not like buying into this, but I do think there's at least a little bit of an element of I need to see Lamar play well in the playoffs. 
Well, and, and going back to the last couple of years, the formula to beat Lamar in the playoffs was drop eight every play because they refused to to pass the ball in any effective manner. Um, but also, I think that this defense is pretty open for Lamar to make some plays this yeah. week. And Mark Andrews supposedly is back, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, again, I, I'm not saying I buy into that, but I do think like the line does not reflect – the uncertainty that I, I think there should be a little uncertainty about Lamar in the playoffs just because we haven't seen it. Like if he goes out there and plays great once, I'll be like, all right, like I'm not worried about it, but just a little worried about it because you know, when I saw that and I read the article, it's like, okay, it's gotta be what he was the youngest quarterback of all time to start a game. We all remember how bad that chargers game was that, that first one he started like, surely that's weighing it down. Like, Oh, like, Actually, he's yet to play well in a playoff game in his four playoff games. Now, there's different circumstances for each one. That Buffalo game, it was very windy. Josh Allen also played bad. Josh Allen's been a good playoff performer. So those are just bad conditions. But he also played quite poorly against the Titans when they lost as the one seed. He had good stats, but he took a lot of sacks, had multiple turnovers. And, you know, a lot of those stats were when they were losing and making a late comeback. And that was not going to happen it would be electric for the texans to win this one yeah uh, i would say that would be i would feel bad for i would feel bad for ravens fans and lamar if that did happen though yeah i would feel good as a chiefs fan because that would yeah. mean we could get home field for the championship game uh but yeah CJ stroud man he's awesome in big moments like it's another tough defense and honestly a more proven defense against good teams than cleveland's even was but i i just think the Ravens are a more complete team at this stage. This is where the Brown, the the Texans being a year early catches up to them, I think. Yeah, which, I mean, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but I also think that this defense will do a better job at giving fits to C.J. Stroud than we had. Mac, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, has done an absolute great job this year. Mm -hmm. All right, another one, uh, the one C, but a very similar spread, Green Bay – at San Francisco. This is San Fran by nine and a half. I'm again, I'm I'm going the, the same as I did this first one. I'm taking the one seed to win in the Niners, but I'm taking Green Bay to cover. And I kind of feel like this one is set up for me to feel dumb either way. E either like either I bet the Niners cover and the Packers played just as well as last week and they cover or God forbid they actually win this game, which I think they are capable of going in there and winning this game. But also, this Packers defense is not good. The 49ers offense is quite good. So it wouldn't be crazy if this game were like 41 to 24. Um, but I will say, there was a bet on FanDuel, minus 105, both teams to score more than 20 points. Kind of like that bet out of any of the bets in this game this weekend. But the, the thing with the Niners is if you can pass protect against them, which this Packers front has done, you can move the ball. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. The Packers' defensive front has played a little bit better if Jair Alexander is healthy enough to play. Like, he is obviously a dude in the secondary. And, you know, I mentioned Jordan Love earlier. Before Week 9, not good. Since Week 9, basically an MVP caliber quarterback. He was second to last in complete – or sec, second best in completion over expectation – the, since week nine, second to last before week nine. Um, a kind of quirky thing with San Fran's defense, they are in the bottom half of the league in DVOA at home and second in DVOA on the road. I don't, that could be completely fluky or that could be indicative of something. I don't know. But all I know is LaFleur was absolutely dealing last week, and I think he's going to put up enough points to keep this one close. This game is also the uh, highest over-under of the weekend at 50-and-a-half. Which is why I kind of like, if you think both teams are going to contribute to that, both over 20 minus 105. Yeah, that's it's kind of a cheeky line. Could be bait, who knows? Um, Could be bait, we'll find out. But it's like, I, I feel like having this line being more than 6-and-a-half or 7 after what mm -hmm. Green Bay did to Dallas, like, it just feels like a rat bait line like yeah like i could see the packers winning this but i can also see the niners just completely blowing them out but i'm probably gonna be on the 
same uh, wavelength as you since I have uh, the Niners in my Super Bowl. So, uh, <laughs> we all we all do. So I, I know we're all taking Niners money line for sure. Dalton, uh, I'm I'm taking the Niners against the spread and to win the game. Wow. Uh, I think this is where the Jordan Love train stops. A quirky stat, which is inflicted by him playing bad the first half of the season. Uh, All their losses came in games where he has more than 26 and a half pass attempts. He is definitely going to have to have more than 26 pass attempts in this game to win. I also, they're they're not going to get away running out 22 personnel all game because the Niners are going to adjust to the offense. Uh, And then, LaFleur is a disciple of Shanahan, and I think that Shanahan's going to be more effective at coaching against the weapons that the Packers have than the ability of Joe Barry, who, again, I don't believe in as an offensive coordinator still, uh, is going to be able to adjust against San Francisco and their weapons, and they're coming off of a week of rest. Uh, it was a good run for Green Bay, but I think that the Niners pretty much handedly walk away with this one. I wouldn't be surprised if going into the second half, this game looks out of, out of hand, and you're going to have to see some miraculous Jordan Love plays for it to keep going. But they're going to throw some interesting stuff at a young offense, and I think that's going to make the, the offense struggle in parts of this game, and they're just not going to be able to click, and they're going to adjust more effectively than Dallas did. You guys like that stat? I sent you that no team that's lost to Kirk Cousins has ever made the Super Bowl. I did see that, and I I don't know why the Vikings have been a part of so many (laughs) random, obscure stats this year around the Vikings and also around Kirk Cousins. Don't Mm. know what that means, but it's kind of crazy. So... Um, just one last note on one seeds before we move on. This is from Action. Home favorites in this round have won over the last two decades, or are against the spread, excuse me, are just 42% cover rates. And then number one seeds in this round, which obviously in this round you usually get a one seed versus kind of a, either an up-and-coming team or a kind of blah veteran team. Pretty similar scenarios in most cases. One seeds have only covered in 35% of those games. And both one seeds have only covered one time. So both one seeds in the same playoff have only covered once in the last decade. So a lot of history suggests you should go with the lower seeds in this round when you're up against one seeds. I'm taking Houston. (laughs) I just, I cannot... I think that Joe Barry is a fraud of a defensive coordinator, and mm. they just get the score run up on him. And I just don't think that the the young offense for Green Bay has it to keep up. Okay, next game here: Bucks at Lions. One of these teams is going to the Super Bowl per Kirk Cousins. Which one is it, Johnny? I I like the Lions and the Lions to cover. Um, I I loved what Baker did at Tampa last week, but I think the uh, I think the road stops there in the playoffs in in Detroit, and I, I just think the the Lions is gonna keep their momentum going and move to the next round. The Bucks have covered in something like seven of eight or eight of nine road games this year, which was shocking when I saw it. I, I'm taking the Bucks against the spread, which I forgot to mention. Uh, that spread is Detroit by six. I think it opened up at seven, so it it is shifting more toward Tampa as we go. We'll see if it continues to trend that direction. Obviously, I mentioned earlier, Baker looked very healthy, very good last week. Um, Detroit's defense played well last week, but also definitely not unbeatable. We like Tampa can't run, so it's kind of okay that the Lions are so good against the run. Tampa doesn't ever do well in that regard anyway, so that doesn't really concern me too much. Uh, But I am taking the Lions' money line at home. We know the Jared Goff home road splits. We've talked about it plenty this season, and I I think the Lions being at home is the difference in this one. But I'm feeling more like a field goal margin as opposed to minus six. I got really close. Taking the Bucks here, yeah. And, me, I mean, me too. I mean, Baker Mayfield's only playoff loss was to the Chiefs, uh, in Chad, <laughs> in Chad Haney. Uh, two, two and one, yes, two and one. Uh, I, I'm taking Bucks against the spread, and then I'm taking the Lions. I don't feel strong about it, 
The first thing I'll say is this defensive line for Tampa Bay is nasty. Kalija mm-hmm. uh, can say his like offseason comparison was Aaron Donald because he's an undersized player who also played for Pitt. Um, but he he looks the part in a lot of ways. He really got that Eagles line. Obviously, Vita Vea is very good at what he does. And if you can give Jared Goff fits, everybody knows that's how you mm-hmm. beat them. It's a very good offensive line they're facing. Um, I know the Lions won 20 to 6 against the Bucks earlier this year, but if you go back, Ian Hart has tweeted it. There's like five times Baker Mayfield had a wide receiver wide open downfield yeah. and just didn't quite get it there. Um, and those are the kind of plays that would alter this game. Uh the Buccaneers are eighth in the NFL defending the run, so they're going to force more passing options, and they have a better defense than the Rams trotted out yeah. there. Yeah, for um, sure. And so I'm still taking Detroit. I don't feel very good about this one, um, but you're asking me to pick between Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff to get to an NFC Championship game, which is a <laughs> hell of a thing to do. Um, well, the I, other the other ones, Jordan Love and Brock Purdy, whose name we never said in the yes. other one. So it's like, you know, you wouldn't have thought these would be our four quarterbacks three months no. ago. Uh, if you are a free agent quarterback, you should go to the NFC <laughs> anyways. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think the Lions walk away with this in a tight one. Like you said, it feels like a field goal and home field does end up getting them the win. Uh, but a Detroit Lions NFC Championship appearance, I think whoever they play, they're not going to pr- do a good job again. Well, they're, they're going to play the Niners, but who has uh, who has the number two pick? Is it Washington? Yes. Can we please get Caleb Williams of Chicago and Drake made of Washington just so both those guys are at least in the NFC? God. Yeah, and then Jaden Daniels is going to go to New England. He's going to suddenly be the best quarterback <laughs> because yeah. We see. We didn't talk about the fact that CJ Stroud is now a thing in the AFC, and we have to deal with yeah. that for the next ten years. Yeah, and also Anthony Richardson is existing and yes. probably going to be pretty good if he can stay healthy. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't feel super strongly. I'm probably not looking to bet the lot. Definitely not betting against the spread. Obviously, Lions. Um, I, I would look if I am going to bet this game to do like a Lions money line and and find another like tease the. Who do I? I think I feel more strongly that the Niners will win than the Ravens. Tease the Niners down like to two and a half or something, and and do that. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good tease. All right, last one: Chiefs at Bills. Uh, Johnny, you've already filled out the doc. I see Dalton. I'm assuming you're going Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs. So really, all that's left for us this at this point is to kind of talk through our obviously Homer, but maybe also smart prediction. Have you guys heard about the pit that the Buffalo fans are doing? It no. is absolutely insane. I have not. The, what was it like in November at their new stadium? A fan accidentally fell into the pit that, and they won the game. New stadium that's being built. Built, yes. Okay, pit. but what? But when you say the pit, is it like a random hole in the ground? It's the hole in the ground that the stadium will be. Oh, oh, yeah. like uh, yeah. he, he fell in. How do you accidentally fall? It's like accidentally well, falling into the Grand Canyon. The fun thing is they are no longer accidentally it. falling into it. The Superstitions Bills fans think that, and this is not a joke, every week a fan jumps into this pit now. Because, <laughs> like, it started beca- a trend because um, they were interviewing like doctors, and doctors like, we've had an alarmingly high rate. <laughs> Of yes. ER visits due to fans jumping in a pit. And okay, one of us asked last week. One of us asked Dozy what the injuries probably would be if yeah. someone jumped into this pit. I'm guessing like uh, sprained ankle, just like not not deadly, but I think that's why Bills fans are doing it. And I I think this week we fill the pit, put a Chiefs flag at the bottom of the pit, and just fill it. That's where yes. I'm at, and uh, um, I think the Chiefs win. Yeah, I think the Chiefs win as well. Like I said earlier, uh, this Buffalo defense, it sounds like they're going to have Rasul Douglas back. This is uh, a TikTok conspiracy. I love it. Are Buffalo Bills bands sacrificing themselves in yes. a pit? TikTok conspiracy claims so. Okay, yes. this pit's not as deep as I I was imagining like a mat, like a Parks and Rec style hole in the ground, but like 20 times bigger. It doesn't look I, like that. I don't care. This fan base is so disillusioned that they think jumping into a pit will fix Josh Allen's turnovers. <laughs> and you, you just can't do that. Uh, 
But like I was saying, they're they have injuries till their linebackers. Russell Douglas might be back, but they're going to be really soft over the middle defense. But like, look at that. That's not that's not like doesn't even look like a pit. I barely even like it's a, such an aerial view. It's, I definitely you want to jump into it. Yeah, I think it's aerial view because if you look at the angle, like right where the arrow is, I'm guessing that's where they start and then they tumble in. And based off off of like the equipment that you can see, like in the picture of where the pit is, looks at least like a tw- 15, 20 feet pit is my guess. Um, don't have any boots on the ground that I'm known that's going to Buffalo. Maybe maybe this one's a better. Feces covered man on LSD, cocaine, and marijuana jumps into pit. <laughs> I hope he's the one that started it. He's like the first uh, patient. Yes, yeah, look at the next headline. Naked build fan on drugs charge. <laughs> <laughs> how have I never, how have I not heard of this? And look at that on the USA fan blog site, Feed the Pit. Yeah. Just... Oh my gosh. Uh, but yes, Buffalo Bills fans are risking life and limb in order to continue this winning streak. Uh, I think it stops here. This is big, big whiteboard material for the Chiefs locker room. One, Mahomes has never played on the road in the playoffs. And for what it's worth in his career, he's better on the road. Yeah. Uh, and this and, year, the Chiefs have a better road record than yes. the home record. The loss to the Bills not only happened because we dropped – or not because we dropped a pass, but because we probably dropped the pass in that game. We too, did, but um, because of the Kadarius Tony offsides uh, on the hook and ladder play, we also didn't have Drew Tranquil or Isaiah Pacheco or Juwan Taylor, which are all pretty big parts of their their units. And defensively, the Chiefs played a really good game. I mean, we came out and we started picking the first play with Mahomes in that game. Uh, I just don't expect those same things to happen. With what this offense did to Miami. The game was closer than it should have been. The Chiefs outgained Miami by almost 300 yards. Yeah, well, it's like the Bengals game. They moved the ball up and down the field, which is great. It's like the the two best games they've had moving the ball up and down the field. It's just they haven't been converting in the red zone. Now, some of that is they just have issues. Some of that, which I, I can talk about, I guess, a little bit now, might be a little bit fluky, especially you look at the game. This last week, one of those trips, I mentioned it earlier, the Jawan Taylor penalty that I kind of took a little bit of an issue with, um, the block in the back. Another one was Mahomes literally broke his helmet and then played two plays with a broken helmet and then a third play with a frozen helmet and they kicked a field goal. And then you also have that neither team, now this is a little bit skewed because the Dolphins didn't have any red zone touchdowns, but red zone trips even for that matter. But nobody scored a touchdown going to the the icy end zone. There was one end zone, if you watched the game, that was a lot icier than the other one. So maybe that just made it harder to actually run clean routes. And we know if you can't run clean routes, obviously the defender's dealing with that too. But if they're playing zone coverage, they're having to have less precise movements. You know, if you're not able to run clean routes, probably harder to execute in the red zone down there, especially. So those things may have all contributed uh, to that a little bit this last week. Like, they, they should have probably had one more red zone touchdown than they had last week. Yeah. Or if Nicole Harmon can just track a ball, they score one more touchdown than they scored last week. I'll also be really interested in the Legereus Steed stuff on Diggs matchup. Legereus that Steed. that did not go well for Diggs in the first matchup. No, it did not. And the this Bills team, again, we've said this before, but since Joe Brady has taken over play calling duties, he's gotten worse offensively. Mm-hmm. They also um, – are the highest run team in the NFL since Joe Brady took over. Uh, and the Chiefs defense has done really remarkably well against the run with Dick Bolton active. Yeah, And I suspect if Buffalo comes out and tries to run the ball and is putting Josh Allen in several third and nine, third and eight situations. Where he'll, he he'll, 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 he'll convert some because he's Josh he Allen, but also, he will also throw some turnovers. You're, I will say there's no team that has been more due for Josh Allen to kind of, I think, I don't know if it's Robert Mays or Nate Tice or both. They, they call it like golden retriever mode for Josh Allen. Just like to be a big, dumb, be a big, dumb boy for, for, for a quick second. Like he, he has played awesome against the Chiefs for the most part for the last couple of years. And even when he hasn't played awesome, he just hasn't made the mistakes against the Chiefs. It's nothing 
and that maybe that just goes to show for Josh Allen, it is a, a focus thing, and maybe he's incredibly focused and locked in against the Chiefs as opposed to some other games. But here are the Chiefs' defensive stats when they have all of Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, and Legereus Sneed in the lineup, which is eight games, and that includes Week 14 against Josh Allen and the Bills. Per uh, John Daigle, 4.2 yards per play, which is first in the NFL, negative 0.16 EPA per play, which is second in the NFL, a 29.3% success rate, which is third in the NFL, a 40% pressure rate, sixth in the NFL, and they allow 9.8% explosive pass rate, which is the best in the NFL, and a 9.3% explosive run rate, which is sixth in the NFL. And they actually, even without Trent Bowen and the mothers in the lineup on defense last time they played, and then that was Bolton, one of his first games, if not his first game back with the club on his hand. Um, they held Buffalo to a 37% success rate on passes and a 41% success rate overall in that game. You know, Chiefs offense had a 48% success rate. So it was another one of Chiefs offense outplays other offense, just couldn't take advantage of the opportunities type of game, which could eat like you can easily see that happening. Which, by the way, I should mention, didn't, didn't mention this off the top. This game is Bills minus two and a half. Chiefs are dogs in this game. Mahomes is 8-1-1 one, one against the spread as an underdog in his career. The offense said two straight games of moving the ball pretty much at will with the first stringers in there. The Bills, they already lost a lot of guys earlier in the season. Now they lost even more guys with uh, Benford, Taron Johnson, and then their linebacker, Bernard, who got hurt, who I believe he's their green dot guy due, so that matters quite a bit. I think Rasul Douglas didn't play last week, should be back this week, has been good for them this season. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, did Mahomes have a bad pass in that game the other day against the Dolphins? I know the Dolphins' defense is banged up. So is the Bills' defense. Like, they're playing in negative five-degree weather. It's windy, negative, like, 27 with wind chill. Andy Reid's mustache is freezing. Tua can barely throw the ball 10 yards past the line of scrimmage with effectiveness. And Mahomes just was not missing. Was not missing. Yeah. I mean, most of the completions were Travis Kelsey dropped or uh, Miko Hardman, <laughs> non-called PI. And then or, or just giving dropped. up on the play or both yes. or losing the ball, you know. Well, what I'll also say, and this is what I found surprising, was a 14-point win against the Steelers really that convincing? Especially, like, Obviously, the play's been talked about a lot. Josh Allen definitely fake slid to make the Steelers defenders bite on his 52-yard touchdown run. And then the other touchdown that was relatively fluky in that game was the Khalil Shakir touchdown. Like, he fought through tackles, but the Steelers players kind of just Well, that that was also, like, immediately after that that penalty on Josh Allen, that they got for the late hit on Josh Allen. I will say... Uh, the Steelers did get a break on the Pat Frymuth fumble that I kind of thought the Bills recovered and should have had the ball. But, you know, Mason Rudolph throws a terrible interception in the end zone. Like the Steelers, it, it was there for them to make that game interesting. And it was interesting for yeah for, for quite a it, while. Well, And it was one of the closer games of the slate, which yeah. really shouldn't have been. Uh, and I... I just think you look at what the two teams did and the Chiefs win was more convincing against a better team, even if I don't think the Dolphins are that good. They're better than the Steelers, especially without TJ Watt. Uh, And, I mean, the Bills got away with it. They won the game, but they beat Mason Rudolph by 14 points. And the Chiefs hey, beat. you picked that quarterback to win last week, so yeah. I don't want to hear hey, it from you. And it was there. It was there. <laughs> a few plays, a little bit here, more Jalen Warren were there. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't want to sound overconfident because I we know how this season has gone for the Chiefs. They could so easily uh, play a very mistake-filled game and lose this game in similar fashion to the last time they played Buffalo or to a myriad of games this season. The offensive line, which was amazing last week, could have a, a bad game this week because it's been a little inconsistent at times this season. But it's just hard for me to go against the Chiefs when I saw how Mahomes looked last week, when you see how Rasheed Rice looked, how that opened things up for Kelsey, and how this Bills defense is just dealing with more injuries on top of the injuries they already had, like losing Matt Milano for the season, losing multiple guys for, for the season this year. 
Yeah, the Chiefs were one. Trey White, away. another one. Yeah, the Chiefs were one broken play away from shutting the Dolphins out. The Chiefs' defense is the second youngest defense in the NFL, and they're playing like they're playing on fire. I mean, they're hitting guys hard. They're playing, and the best defensive player the Bills have left right now is is it, I mean, is it Vaughn Miller? Probably Greg Russo, or yeah, Greg e- you could do either of the safeties. Their safeties are both healthy. Hide Hyde and Poyer. Yeah, but all in all, I I just don't think the Bills have the personnel to do it. Uh, in their matchups, Mahomes is nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Allen is eight touchdowns, one interception. Like these two have obviously put together great shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the Chiefs just have the edge in everything that's important in this game. The Bills have the number in the regular season, but they've yet to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, and I think that will continue. I hope that continues as well. One thing we did not mention, which could come into play if the game actually goes on schedule. I mean, this won't change if the game gets rescheduled. It'll help the Bills case a little bit, but the Chiefs have like a full two days of rest on the Bills, which I think will matter a little bit too. I am really hoping Skymore doesn't play this game. <laughs> I don't I don't think he will. And if he does, it won't be in in a big capacity. And when Skymore comes up, I think that means it's time for us to wrap up episode 133 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube at Half Point Per Podcast. The link, as always, is in the show notes. Thank you all so much for listening. We will hope for a better divisional round than wildcard round and we'll be back next week with a little bit more fantasy football talk and a little bit more uh previews of nfl matchups next week we will talk to you again next week